Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. If you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball. Oh, boy. I am back, if you don't like that, with Grant Napier. It has been an amazing couple of months. Absolutely amazing. And I will tell you that I've learned a lot. I have realized who my friends are in life. Those that I thought were my friends that are not. I am really excited to start this podcast. And the opening podcast, this podcast, it's going to be a little bit different. Because I'm going to share with you my experiences over the last three months And moving forward, we'll have a lot of interviews. I'll give you my take on things going on in the world of sports. You know, the one thing that I've always done when I've had a microphone in front of me is to speak from the heart and speak honestly. And the one thing that has bothered me more than anything over the last three months is that I did not get a chance to speak to all of the fans, all of the people of Northern California and those that have picked up on my career through hosting as a fill-in on the Jim Rome show and to those people that have been waiting for me to speak, I'm going to speak now. And you're going to hear what I have to say, what my last three months has been like and where we are moving forward with this podcast. Let me back up to May 31st. May 31st. I put out a tweet. And in my tweet, it said all lives matter. Every single one. And the world blew up in front of me. And I thought I was going to have a chance to go on the radio on June 1st. And talk to everyone the way I have for the last 26 years. And as I've been thinking about what am I going to say on the show today, I've had a lot of people give me advice. And I've listened to people's advice. And in the end, I've decided I'm just going to be me because that's the only way I know. I take you back to 1994 
I'm hosting a radio show on KSAC in Sacramento. It's the first radio show that I hosted in Sacramento. And I had the great Peter King, the great NFL writer. He came on, and at the end of my interview with Peter King, he said, Grant, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, what advice would you have for me? I'm thinking about getting into TV. You know, Peter was a great writer for Sports Illustrated for many, many years. Before that, he was a beat writer for the uh, New York Giants, covered the New York Giants and Bill Parcells and that whole era. Then the great job at Sports Illustrated. And I said, Peter, just be yourself. That's it. Peter wanted advice. I said, Peter, people are going to try to change you. You need to be Peter King. No matter what happens, you need to be Peter King. Don't let people change you. And so I only know how to be Grant Napier. I can't be anyone else. I thought I was going to be on the radio on June 1st. It's like, no problem. I will be able to talk to everyone, explain what I meant in my tweet. And before I even get into what I was going to say on that show, I got a text message from my wife about 45 minutes before the show was supposed to begin. And my wife has been unbelievable. Like you realize when you go through a situation like I've gone through, you figure it all out. And I really mean that. You figure out who is with you, who will do anything in the world for you, and those that you can't count on. My wife has been my rock. She has been absolutely unbelievable. I can't even begin to tell you what my life would have been like this summer without Star Napier by my side. She sent me a text 45 minutes before I thought I was going to be going on the show. You speak your truth today. If it's your day, then make it count. Show everyone your love, compassion, anger about the senseless killings. I am praying Bert sits with you today and you will have peace, the right words to say, and that they will be well received. Bert's my father. I'll get to him in a moment. Because I think you'll learn a lot about me through my father. Many in Sacramento already know of my father. Because every Friday before Father's Day, I always replayed the last conversation that I had with my dad on the radio because I used to have him on to interview him on the Friday preceding Father's Day. So I got that message from my wife 45 minutes before I thought I was going to be going on the radio. And 25 minutes before my show was to begin, I was told that I was not going to be doing my show. And I never got a chance to do that show. And that's what has bothered me more than anything about this whole summer. Because I have been through thick and thin with people of Northern California from day one. And we have a lot of fun on the radio, and I've always said, hey, no matter what, I will be at work the next day. When things get tough, and we went through some tough times, boy, in in Sacramento, I will be there, and when my Giants get killed by the 49ers, or whatever the situation is, don't worry, I'll be there on Monday to take the heat. 
or when things are just spiraling out of control with the Sacramento Kings or they're moving, they're not moving, they're moving, they're not moving. I'll be there. I wasn't there for you on Monday, June 1st. It was not my wish to not be there. It killed me not to be there for you. And one of the reasons why I really wanted to start off this podcast and do a podcast so that I could reconnect with you. Because I wouldn't, I would have never done my radio show if I couldn't take calls and interact with the audience because I'm a big believer in that. So I got that message from my wife. And she was, she knew, she knew what I was going to say. And anyone that has listened to me or followed my career, I've been pretty open about this. I don't write things down. I just talk. Pretty much what I'm doing right now. Now, one thing I've learned over this period of time is what a mess our country is. What an absolute mess. It's sad. It's really sad. But there's been some good that's come out of this. You know, I've had more meaningful conversations with people this summer about race than at any other time of my life. And I'll tell you something else that is sad. And I've gone around the country and I've been to several different states over the last three months. And I've talked to strangers. I've just picked up conversation because I wanted to get a pulse of what people are thinking. And I think that the world of sports, they ought to be counting their lucky stars that fans are not allowed into their venues right now because I don't think it would be a pretty sight. Now, I've always said this. I said, if you start bringing politics and social issues in the sports, you're going to lose a lot of fans. You're going to lose a lot of fans. And there is no question in my mind, the ratings have reflected that. With the NBA, you saw the opening weekend, of the National Football League. Fans are saying they don't want it anymore. Fans use sports as a diversion. Do they not? I mean, do you want to spend three hours out of your day to listen to political and social issues in the sports world? No, you don't. You know why you don't? Because you deal with that for the other 21 hours a day. That's why. And I don't know where we're going when fans are allowed back into venues. But I'll tell you this. There are a lot of franchises in the world of sports that are going to be very disappointed. I cannot even begin to tell you how many people, people that I know and people that I don't know, that have told me they are done. And, you know, I've heard that before. People say they're done, but the ratings are reflecting that a lot of people are done with sports under the present climate. Doesn't mean they're racist. Doesn't mean that they don't care about the lives of black people. It doesn't mean they they don't have compassion to what's going on. I mean, let's just stop it for a moment. If you feel that there is not an issue as it relates to police brutality and the, I don't want to say unauthorized, but I'll, I'll use that. There are just too many people, okay, 
that have come out time and time and time and time and time and time again. Some you know because they're public figures, celebrities, athletes. Others you don't know. That it may be your friends and they talk about what they have had to endure. So that is not even debatable. Okay, that is not debatable in my opinion. That is an issue. You know what the biggest issue in this country is? The fact that we are not allowed to have a conversation about this anymore. When are we going to be able to have a conversation without someone being fired or destroyed, whatever the case may be? You know, I thought Kevin Euclid, former MLB player, he put out a tweet at the end of August and he said, the mental health and well-being of our country is deteriorating and social media is the culprit. The constant hatred towards others that don't share the same opinions is tiresome and unhealthy for our society. We all need to be better so the next generation is healthier and happier. He is flat out spot on. Social media and media in general, in my opinion, is the reason why our country is so screwed up. Because you don't know what to believe You don't know who to believe. You don't know if what you're hearing on this network is slanted towards their own political view. I mean, you know, you watch CNN for an hour and then go to Fox for an hour and you were hearing the exact opposite. So do you believe what kind of in the middle? Why can't we have a world of journalism that is delivered and presented to us on a daily basis that is unaffected by personal beliefs and motives. That doesn't exist anymore. And if it does exist, tell me where I can find that because that's the news that I'm going to start watching. I believe that the media has a lot to do with the inability for so many people to make an educated decision on what really is going on in the world. Now, what the black community is fighting for, I don't think that is debatable. I've talked to too many people this summer. I've listened to too many people, and I don't think that is debatable. There is a problem in America, okay? Let's just come to terms and agree that that is what life is like for many, many blacks in the United States of America. Now, there are some things that have bothered me over the last couple of months, okay? And I've taken notes on a lot of things that I've said, I've seen, a lot of people that I've talked to. Larry Fitzgerald, great wide receiver of the Cardinals. Our first step must be to listen to one another, to sincerely lean in and hear what the person who is different from us is saying. And that's exactly what I was alluding to. Lean in and listen. Listen to what is being said. But after you are listening, is it asking too much for the person that is listening to ask questions and give their own opinions? Is that asking too much? I don't think so. You know, there are too many labels going on in the world today. And I get asked a lot about my beliefs. I get asked a lot about what I said via Twitter, you know what the biggest problem or one of the biggest problems facing 
this country is with the cancel culture. And I've learned a whole new vocabulary this summer. I didn't know what cancel culture was. I didn't know what the term woke meant back on May 31st. And when you make a comment, how about peeling back the layers instead of just canceling somebody? How about like spending five minutes and examine someone's life? It's easy to do now. It's easy to do. I want to read you two letters. One that I came across just recently when I was getting things together in my house. And it was from my father's best friend and his college roommate. This letter via email was sent out to all of Frank Terramina's friends. Frank Terramina was my father's roommate in college at Union College in New York. And I'm reading this to you because it's going to give you a window into what my life was like growing up. Bert Napier passed away Friday, November 2nd, 2007. Stu Napier just called me around 9.30 p.m. to tell me. My college roommate, a 61-year relationship has ended. No more late-night phone calls. No more lengthy phone conversations. No more discussions about what cause he was supporting. Could there have been anyone more interested in the cause of justice for everyone than Bert was? What a legacy of warmth and humor, and genuine affection and respect I have enjoyed all my life in my relationship with him. Could there have been anything more worth having than this friendship, which have I had the privilege to take part in all this time? What a wealth of something really worth having he brought to me in the form of his family, his mother and father and sister. Could there have been any better examples of decency, generosity, of flat-out human goodness, what a rare commodity that is, than the Napier family. And Bert, whatever else he did, always stood for that, for a genuine concern for other people, particularly people who may not have enjoyed the advantages that some people do. The concern he had for minorities. What did Charlie Dugan once say? There was no one in our circle of friends and acquaintances who was a better Christian than Bert. No person who cared more. That is who he was, caring and doing something about it. Now he has left the inevitable end of the personal journey, which we shall all come to as he came to it quietly while he was watching a sports event on TV, ESPN. Could it have been a call by the referee which took him? What a treasure of memories and good times I have because of my friend Bert. How blessed have I been in having people in my life who love me. What I got in this friendship was a lifelong blessing. I hope I may be as grateful as I should be for this gift bestowed on me. You know, I have a lot of people over the years I've had battles with on the radio. And we get into it and I say, okay, you know what? Fine. What have you done to make your community better? What have you done to make the black community better? My dad spent his life preaching equality. It was ingrained in us from the earliest of age that I can remember. 
So much so that my brother, who was a double major in math and economics, 4.0 student, he went and taught math at a predominantly black high school in Freeport, Long Island for over 30 years. He just retired two years ago. That's what my upbringing was like. That's why I started the Future Foundation in the early 2000s with a gentleman by the name of Joe Namath, not the former quarterback, but Joe came to me. We sat at the conference room at our radio station, and we decided right then and there that we were going to start an educational foundation. We called it the Future Foundation. And over the years, I've been very proud to say that we have sent nearly 100 students to college. And we have them enter our program in 10th grade. We mentor them all the way through college. We pay for their state-funded education. Now, we've had students that have gone to Stanford, Berkeley. I mean, we, we, we have seen some amazing stories. These are all students that are at need. These are students that, in some cases, are being raised by a brother or an aunt or an uncle. About one-third of our students are black. But we have Asian students. We have Hispanic students. I mean, my wife mentored a, a, a young lady that moved to Pakistan at age six, didn't speak a word of English, has since gone through our program, graduated from UC Davis. For those in our society that want to go on Twitter and they want to criticize and they want to call people names, and if you want to call someone a racist or you want to call someone this or you want to call someone that, you know what? You better do some damn research. All right? And you better go out and you better peel back the layers and you better understand before you make those type of comments. But again, unfortunately, as Kevin Euclid pointed out, social media is a big culprit because it's too easy to just go on Twitter and put out 140 words or 280 words or excuse me, letters and destroy somebody. It's too easy to do that. Peel back the layers. Do a little bit of research. You know, as I said, I've learned a lot. I want to thank so many people that I've come in contact with this summer. Obviously, people I know, people I don't know. I go for walks every morning in my neighborhood. I've literally had people stop their car, get out and come up to me and talk to me, support me. If I'm out with my wife at the grocery store, at a restaurant, I cannot thank those people enough. It has been absolutely incredible. Uh, Marcos Breton of the Sacramento Bee, Joe Getty, Armstrong and Getty, Phil Mushnick, New York Post, even Bill Maher on, and I say even because it blew me away, on HBO, and so many other national members of the media. Thank you for not being afraid to speak the truth. Thank you to a gentleman like Marcos Breton, who's not afraid to speak about both sides of the equation and at the end speak the truth. We need more dialogue in this country. I ask you, how are we ever going to become a better society if we can't even have a conversation? You know what? Why should it matter who you're voting for in November? Why should that matter? How about if we just have a honest-to-goodness conversation, a difference of opinion, without all the venom, without all the hatred? Why is that so hard? 
Why have we gotten away from that in this country? And again, I blame it a lot on the media because you're being swayed every single time you turn on the news. You're being swayed. If you are a conservative, you're watching Fox News, right? If you're a liberal, you're probably watching CNN, right? Why can't we have a news network that presents the freaking news right down the middle and let us decide? What happened to that? What happened to journalism in this country? I don't understand that. But what I want to let you know is after today, I'm going to get into sports conversations and I'm going to speak to a lot of the big names in sports, some names that maybe aren't as well known, but have fascinating stories. And we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're not just going to talk about all the problems that exist because you can get that in a lot of other places. Martin Luther King said this the best. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And you learn, as I said at the beginning of this show, the people you can count on, the people you can't. Am I bitter? I'm not bitter. Am I looking for vindication? Nope. I'm not looking for vindication. I was down and out in June. And then I had a conversation with Paul Westfall. Paul Westfall called me the night after I lost my jobs. And we spoke for about 10 minutes and he said, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for Star. And I was just like, Paul, I can't tell you how much it means that you have taken the time to call. And about, oh, a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, Paul called me again. He goes, hey, Grant, I'm just checking up on you. I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. And we talked for 15 minutes. And it was literally 10 days later that Mike Lupica, longtime sports writer, with Paul's approval put out on social media, that Paul had been diagnosed with brain cancer. And unfortunately, it's an incurable disease. And I don't think Paul has a lot of time left on this earth. And I called Paul. And it was a a somber, sad, emotional conversation. And I hung up the phone with Paul and I said to my wife, I go, you know what? I I don't have a worry in the world. I said, you know what? I'm going to be fine. I don't have a worry in the world. And I know that we always say when something happens, you put things in perspective. And we shouldn't have to go through life like that. You shouldn't have to have a reminder to put life in a perspective, but we do. We get busy. I remember growing up and going to Yankee games when they played the Red Sox and how vile and how awful some of the things you saw in the stands. And then after 9-11, that didn't happen anymore. It didn't matter if you went and wore a Red Sox jersey to Yankee Stadium. You might get some good-natured ribbing, but you weren't getting beer thrown on you. You weren't being cursed at and the same thing in Boston. And the re- what I'm trying to say is, for those of us that were around then, that remember that period of time, do you remember how together this country was? It, w- it, it didn't matter what your ethnicity was. It didn't matter your religion. It did not matter. 
You are going to put your arm around your neighbor or the person that you just had no idea who they were or what they were about, and you were going to do whatever you could to help that person, whether it was financially, whether it was emotionally, it didn't matter. What happened to those days? Do we need another national tragedy to come together as a country? And then I'm going to segue this back into sports. I am not going to try to change what you believe in. I know what I believe in. I believe that the fans of America have spoken. And I firmly believe they do not, they do not want political and social statements made at their games. I've talked to too many people. I've talked to too many people that have handed in their basketball tickets. I've talked to too many people that said they're not going to any more games. And you can sit there and say, okay, you're going to watch it, but you're not spending a dime. What happens when fans are allowed back in? Are we going to be looking at empty arenas? Are we going to be looking at empty stadiums? Are we going to be looking at sports that's going to be completely different than what we remember? Are we going to go to a game and for the first 15 minutes we're going to deal with social and political issues? Do you go on an airplane and have the pilot? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. Our flight time is going to be one hour and 45 minutes. By the way, when we land, just so you know, there's going to be a big protest downtown. We encourage everyone to go. If you want to get a T-shirt, please let me know. We'll have them when you exit the airplane. And make sure that you vote this way. Do you want that? Do you want that when you're flying? Again, I'm just, just throwing it out there. As I wrap up this first episode, I'm going to ask you again. Are you just bitching and complaining or are you making your country better? Are you helping out your neighbor? Are you helping out minorities? Are you helping out whomever? Are you making a difference? Are you making a difference in our community? And the thing I have missed the most this summer, and I'm going to keep on going over this and going over this, is talking to you, communicating with you. That's the thing I've missed the most. All right? Think about what sports has done over the years with this country. If you're wearing your favorite team's jersey down the street and you see someone wearing the same jersey, right? Fist pump. You're like, wow. You're all best friends, right? You don't know who that person is. You don't know anything about that individual. That's what I used to love about going to games when I was a kid at Yankee Stadium and Shea Stadium. Three years old, my dad started taking me to Giants games. And there were people around, and even as an adult, a great play happens, a touchdown, whatever, and you're high-fiving everybody around you. You don't know who they are. But if there's somebody wearing a different team's jersey, you're not high-fiving them, right? You're not talking to them, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss that the most about being in these venues and seeing 17,000 fans rejoicing at the same time or being upset at the same time. Sports has done a lot for this country. It pains me. It hurts me. It really does. It absolutely 
pains me to see what's going on with sports in this country right now. I think sports is making a big mistake. I'm not afraid to say that. I know a lot of people disagree. Go ahead and disagree. But I've run into too many people this summer. I've ran into too many people in different states, different political beliefs, different, different ethnicities. I've talked to so many people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And I got to tell you, the overwhelming majority, well over 90%, have told me they're done. They're not watching. And when the teams come back, they're not going to the games. That's it. All right, something else we're going to be doing each and every podcast is my rant. Remember Grant's rant? It's time for Grant's rant. Would someone please tell me why anyone would care what Bryce Harper of the Philadelphia Phillies thinks about? Can you believe that Harper has demanded that the Phillies re-sign catcher JT Real Muto? That's right. Demand that they have to keep JT the catcher. This is from a guy that recently signed a 13-year, $330 million contract. If you're keeping score at home, Harper this year batted a whopping 268. 13 homers and 33 RBI in 60 games. That was the 13 homers was 24th in the league. His 33 RBI, 43rd in the league. This is a guy that's got a postseason career average at the plate of 218. This is a guy that's never been out of the first round. I got a perfect solution for Bryce Harper and the Philadelphia Phillies. Why don't you take some of that $330 million that you were ripping the Phillies off, all right? Because they overpaid you like you cannot believe because you don't deliver, all right? Why don't you take some of that $330 million and give it to JT, Right? I mean, if you want him so bad, why don't you make it happen? Since you are one of the most overpaid players in all of Major League Baseball, go take your 218 postseason average and shut up. How about him telling the Philadelphia Phillies what to do? Really? You got to listen to Bryce Harper, who has been an absolute underachiever most of his career, and now he's going to be in his, the, he finishes his second year in Philadelphia and he's telling the management what to do? What a disgrace. And that is my rant for this podcast. Folks, something else I'd like you to do, and that is to subscribe. I'd love to know what you thought of today's show. Share it. Spread the word around. Tell your friends that I'm back. Reach out to me on Twitter at Grant Napier Show, N-A-P-E-A-R. Or go to my website, if you don't like that.com. All right? I'll, I'll get back to you. Listen, I'm going to spend a lot of time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond to you on social media and uh, all the other platforms. Let people know that Grant is back. All right? We're going to have a lot of fun with this. Be honest. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Tell me what you'd like moving forward. I'm grateful that I have this opportunity. I really am grateful that I have had this opportunity. And I'm just going to close out today's podcast. And here's my wish. Let's all... Stop being so quick to judge. Peel back the layers a little bit. Take a breath, okay? Take a breath. Do a little research. Educate yourself. Let's all come together. You know, I, I always get a kick when I read things on social media about people doing, you know, nice deeds for one another. I see, act, I see random acts of kindness every day when I travel. I see it everywhere. 
I see it at the store. I see it at the gas station. I see it. I, I, I don't understand why people make such a big deal on social media. Like, oh, wow, look at this random act of kindness. Vast majority of people I meet are very kind, very helpful, love their, their, their fellow man. I mean, I don't understand why we've gotten away from that, why all of a sudden that is news. There are a lot of great people out there. A lot of, lot, lot, <laughs> most people are very nice and, and, and very kind and will do amazing things to help out their neighbor and, and, and strangers. And let's get back to that. Let's get back to that. If you don't like that with Grant Napier, Put it in the books. Show number one is over. Take care, everyone. And again, thanks for listening. If you don't like that, with Grant Napier.